Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander kicking off a Labor Day weekend. Bill, how are you doing? Ah, uh, good morning, Jason. Doing great. Hope you are. I am. I'm very excited for uh, <laughs> a third day to the weekend. That's that's always reason for excitement. It, in my it's world. always nice to have a long weekend. No question about it. So I I do hope that everyone is uh, at the beach or in the mountains or at their favorite place like Gaston, you know Jordan Lake, wherever. But uh, the bottom line is out and about and having fun. Well, we're going to enjoy our Labor Day weekend in about another, uh, I don't know, 55 minutes from now. But for now, we got to do some work, Bill, and we got to talk about asset protection. Absolutely. That's what we do. And we got to talk about maybe the biggest asset that most people have, and that's their home. That's right. And uh, asset protection of your home is a big issue. And of course, this weekend, uh, there's a probably a pretty large percentage of folks who are actually away from mm-hmm. their home. Not not everybody. You know, there, there are a lot of folks who stick around and enjoy not traveling on the high travel weekends, and I can appreciate that too because just to be able to relax is, is a pretty good deal. But the bottom line is um, how do you protect your home when you're not there, when you're away from it? Um, that's really important, and there are a number of things that folks, you know, you you know to do, uh, but you don't necessarily do them. And so, the <laughs> so the more you do, the better things are for your home. Now. You know, the first thing is, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to take it in order of importance. This is more stream of consciousness type of, of uh, advice. But uh, clearly, one way to help protect um, your home is, is with a service. Uh, and there are a bunch of different services, and there are a number of them that are very good. Um, uh, but the bottom line is you have to recognize that uh, most folks who would break into your home, either professional criminals or less than professional criminals, uh, are opportunists. You know, if one home is guarded and another home is clearly not, guess which one they're going to pick? Uh, you know, nine times out of ten, they're going to go for easy rather than more difficult. Uh, and, and so, and clearly, the the other thing too is that you need to recognize that in most instances, when someone who is a person who breaks into homes is, um, uh, you know, when they do it, they're generally not in your home more than a few minutes. You know, maybe five. So it's a matter of they know what they want to take, and they look in the right places, but they also don't want to be caught. And one of the key things is to do it quickly. And so um, that, that's a, a real important concept in terms of how do you prepare for that sort of, of thing. And so now when it comes to um, services, you know, the unfortunate part of the services is it costs money and uh, and that's a bad thing and the other thing that goes with services is something that um, 
more and more. I mean, we're losing it more and more, which is a real shame, and that's privacy. You know, when, when someone who's not your family, an unknown stranger, can actually listen in uh, on your family, whether you know it or not, you know, that's you – know, we know the government's doing it, <laughs> but do we want other folks to be able to do it too? And, uh, you know, I, I, as a libertarian, uh, at least in for, for many things, I, I hate to see the erosion of privacy. But at the same time, it, it's sort of like what's more important, your privacy or the protection of your home. So it's – um, that's something that folks should understand. But, okay, what are other things that we should do? Well, clearly, the, the first thing is have good locks. Um, and, obviously, bolt locks are better than just regular old locks that you can take a screwdriver and uh, get into a home with. Um, and there are also uh, some locks that are much more difficult to pick than other locks. Now, you know, a lot of folks who break in don't worry about whether, you know, they just bust the door in and and, and go and do. Uh, but at the same time, you know, what do you do to create barriers to to do it? And and uh, obviously bolt locks. And then there's and the the kind of of uh, lock and I can't even think of the name of it. It's terrible, but uh, easy to replace. The kind that you can rekey yourself. It's got a little hole in it. Uh, it um, those locks are actually made so you can't cannot pick them. So from my perspective, a lock that's very difficult to pick is or cannot be picked is a much safer lock to have than one that's not. But one of the key concepts, whether you have a service or not, is to make your home appear to be occupied. Uh, and, and so if you have an extra car, park it where it can be seen in your driveway, you know, like somebody's actually coming and going. Uh, that is an important concept because if there are no cars around, that's an indication uh, that um, – you know, you're there. And uh, so now there's other things to keep your lights on. And, of course, you can buy the things at, at your uh, appliance store, you know, where the lights will come on and off at the right times, if you will, in the evening. Um, and that's that's a, a easy and important thing to do. Um you know, the AARP says you should even leave a muddy pair of boots on the front stoop <laughs> to make it appear uh, that you might be home. Well, what are some of the other indicators? Well, if you if you have a daily newspaper, you know, if you subscribe to the NNO, um, then you either better stop it. Or if your neighbor's going to be home, have your neighbor pick up your newspaper every day. Because if you have a couple newspapers that are sitting in your driveway uh, and there's no cars there, well, guess what? That's sort of a, an advertisement that nobody's home. Um, uh, and so th that's uh, clear as well. Uh, the, the same is true uh, for your mailbox. You, you know, if you don't get your mail out uh, every day, 
uh, then clearly the postman knows if, <laughs> if somebody's not home, uh, at least if it builds up over a couple days. So that's uh, those are things that are, are pretty obvious. And one of the best protections is, is pretty uh, sensible, and that is having a dog. You know, a, a dog clearly is one of the best protections now the thing about having a dog is you got to be home (laughs) so is there something else that you can do because if you have a big dog or even a little dog you know they're very sensitive to strangers or anybody that's not a stranger anybody approaching you know you when the dogs yap and that's something that folks that break in don't want to have to deal with is any kind of dog well, you know, with technology today, you can actually record a dog barking and loop it. And so, in essence, uh, while you're away, you can basically have a dog barking all the time so that if a, if a person approaches, then they'll hear a, a dog bark and they'll typically turn and go the other way because a dog barking guess what that means that means somebody's home or at least they're coming home if they're not home right at that moment and so that would typically make someone uh, go the other way Um, the other key lock that a lot of folks don't think about is the garage door because oftentimes even if a garage door is closed and it has an electric electric motor closer and all that stuff oftentimes you can lift a garage door and if you don't believe me go test yours out when it's closed to see if it can actually be lifted because that is an area where people uh, do break in and so it's really important to have a really good bolt lock on the door inside your garage into your home as well and then there's some other things like uh, that are no-brainers, like when you um, lock your car, uh, you know, if it's in your driveway or obviously at the store the same way, you know. And I, I hate to be saying that because, you know, when I was a little kid, nobody ever locked their doors and people could come and go and, you know, everybody felt pretty safe. But this is a different world today and locking your car, you know, because there are a lot of thieves that are opportunists. If, if they pass by your car and they see something valuable in your car and it's not locked, guess what? You know, they'll, you know, they can take it and be gone in a matter of, uh, you know, three or four seconds and they're, and it's, and it's not yours and you can't do a thing about it. Another thing is how do you, how do you catch somebody if somebody breaks into your home. And I can tell you, as a person who's had his home broken into, you really feel invaded when that happens. And truthfully, the police are not any help at all. You know, they come in and take a report and, you know, dust for fingerprints and act like they're going to do something. But the truth is, is the police, other than helping you file your insurance, they're not going to do a darn thing to help you. So, Unless you have video, because if you have video, then you might be able to identify who comes in. And, of course, you don't have to have a service to have video. You can go to, you know, Lowe's or Home Depot or one of, or Ace or whatever and get a, 
a detection system that goes on your internet that you know where you can you know do things like that and have uh, placed cameras in strategic areas so anyone who comes into your house is going to at least have their picture taken and that makes a huge difference um, as well and then of course the other thing that's sort of a no-brainer is don't broadcast the fact that you're going to be gone <laughs> and that can be you know you don't want before the fact to be on Facebook saying, oh, we're going to take a wonderful vacation next week <laughs> or, you know, a month from now, or we're going on a cruise. Um, and, and, of course, you also need to warn your children about uh, talking about those kind of things, too, because guess what? If they're in school and they're bragging about the fact that they're going to the beach for two weeks or whatever or for a long Labor Day weekend, then that's really not a good thing. So it's a conversation to have with your children about just how to protect themselves and how to protect the home that they live in. And, you know, they can brag about it when they come back, but uh, trying not to um, uh, do it beforehand, I think, is extremely uh, important. Um, so, I mean, all of those things taken together can can make a big difference. But the whole thing is... Uh, Make your home appear to be occupied when you're gone, and, and that's about 90% of the battle. And the, the other things that you can do uh, may, may be extremely helpful. But the truth is, if you get broken into, then whatever they take, it's gone, and you're, ne- you're never going to get it back unless you're, you know, 1,000% lucky. <laughs> you know, it's about the same as winning the lottery. So good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Bill, those are some really good tips, and I'm sure there, there's at least a couple families who are listening to this ready to head out on vacation, and then they're, they're turning back around right now to go make some of the suggestions. That well, you made. most of the ones that I'm talking about, other than having a service, it, it can be done for just a few dollars, just very inexpensive kinds of things that you can do that uh, make a big, big difference uh, in terms of making it more difficult for someone to break into your home. Yep, a little bit of effort goes a long way. A quick a quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you so much for joining us. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. I want to remind you, you can find more about Bill at WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com. We just had a segment, uh, Bill, on asset protection of the home and ways that you can secure your home. And uh, mm-hmm. sticking in the world of asset protection, we talk a lot about documents. Mm-hmm. And you get a popular question when it comes to having the right documents. Well, I do. And uh, the, the question uh, that I get is, what's the difference between a declaration for natural death, uh, sometimes called a living will, uh, and a DNR? which is do not resuscitate. There's a lot of confusion about it. Uh, And it's part, these are part of um, trying to um, have medical documents for yourself. And so it's, it's part of something that every person 
should have, every adult person should have. And as, as people get older, it even becomes that much more important um, because for young people, not being able to make their own medical decisions for themselves is very rare. But having documents is, you know, and, and I think it was just a week or two ago that I was talking about children and the fact that when your children go from 17 to 18, the parent uh, it doesn't isn't the natural guardian anymore as, it, as far as the law is concerned. An 18-year-old is considered an adult uh, with the ability to contract and with the ability to make their own decisions. Of course, hopefully parents can influence those <laughs> decisions highly, but at the same time, I mentioned the fact that when your children turn 18, it's a good idea to have them execute a health care power of attorney to their parents so that it's clear, uh, or it might be one of the two of the parents, you know, it just whoever is the best choice to be able to make decisions if the child cannot make decisions for themselves. Well, let's, let's go on beyond that. Uh, so it's important to everyone to have a health care power of attorney. And the good news is it's really hard to screw it up, <laughs> okay? In other words, if you've got even an old health care power of attorney where you've appointed someone that you trust to make health care decisions for you if and when the time comes that you cannot communicate yourself with your physician, in other words, make your own decisions, then you've appointed the person that you want to make those decisions for you. And that's a really important concept. And that's true for all of us because none of us know when something bad might happen to us and someone else has to come forward and help make those decisions. So a healthcare power of attorney is an extremely important document. Okay, now... The one document, particularly for folks that haven't had their healthcare documents done in a long, long time, is some folks are missing an important document, and it's it's we call them HIPAA releases, but it's federal law, it's not state law, where the the federal law requires that people have a medical release that is HIPAA compliant so that the doctors and hospitals and clinics and any medical care provider can communicate with someone other than you. And, of course, you would want the health care providers to be able to communicate with your, um, with your health care agent and oftentimes other family members that might not be your health care agent, like siblings and children and the like, and for for a healthcare provider to be able to release your private healthcare information, um, they have to have a HIPAA release that you have signed and said, "Yes, I would like for you to share my private healthcare information with these people." And it, I mean, uh, those kind of things are really, really important for your healthcare providers to have. So it's it's a really important document, and a lot of folks don't have it. And so, particularly, you know, if your if your healthcare agent is having to deal with the federal government, uh, like Social Security or Medicare or the Veterans Administration. You know, they're going to be looking for that HIPAA release, medical release that's HIPAA compliant. So, and obviously it's better for your healthcare 
documents to have that same HIPAA language in it, but you have to understand that that uh, the state forms don't have federal law in them. So hopefully any good attorney, uh, and you don't have to be an elder law attorney to know this, uh, is going to have HIPAA language in their healthcare power of attorney. They should have it in their general power of attorney. Um, and they're going to have a separate document because federal law requires a separate document. Uh, just something that your lawyers can charge you more for. <laughs> so, uh, but it is an important document to have. And then we have a document that a lot of, uh, of folks don't think about until they get a little bit older. But the truth is, is that it's a document that a person should have at any age, at least in my opinion. And that is uh, what's called in North Carolina a declaration for natural death, um, uh, otherwise known as a pull-the-plug document. Okay, In other words, take you off life support or not put you on life support under certain very strict uh, circumstances. Um, and, and, uh, but I get the question all the time, what's the difference between that and a DNR? And here's where I want to first talk about the Declaration for Natural Death and then the DNR because they're they're related in a very tiny way but not much, okay? A Declaration for Natural Death, or sometimes called a living will, is a legal document. It is not a medical order. So... You know, it's noted in your chart if you have one or not, but it's not a medical order where the doctor is telling the nurses to do this or do that or don't do this and don't do that. It's not a medical order. Uh, so, uh, but it, the thing about it is, is a, a declaration for natural death does not apply if you can still communicate with your doctor ever, okay? And so it only applies when you cannot communicate and uh, you need life support of some sort, and sometimes that can be as simple as an IV where you need fluids, but that's life support. Um, and, um, and importantly, you fall into one of three extraordinarily dire circumstances. So what are the dire circumstances? Well, the first is you're on your deathbed, and, you, and nobody can make you better, and you're going to die whether you're on life support or not. The second one is you're unconscious and your doctors believe to a high degree of, of medical certainty that you will never wake up. You're never uh, going to wake up from, from whatever that made you unconscious. Of course, doctors can be wrong, but that's where, it, where it's at. And the third thing is that you're, you're severely demented, which basically means that you don't know your own name, don't recognize your spouse, children, grandchildren, whatever. Uh, but the bottom line is you're a vegetable in a body. Uh, and the, the last one is not dementia necessarily, but it's the same result where you uh, uh, have a substantial loss of cognitive ability, which is typically a persistent vegetative state. All horrible circumstances, all circumstances that you're not coming back from, uh, and you need life support to keep your body alive. So that's why I say for most people uh, who um, of, of normal circumstances would say, yes, let me go. I'm, you know, don't 
try to keep me on life support under those circumstances. And that's what the form is all about. Now, two things. I strongly recommend on that document that you always, always, always allow your agent to veto the um, uh, your wishes to be taken off life support. And the, uh, the unfortunately, the state law allows you a choice to say my agent has the ability to veto it or, my, you know, do, do it regardless. Don't listen to my agent. But you see, healthcare is so different today because the bottom line is, is that um, today you're not, if you go to the hospital, then that's, this is where this makes a difference. Um, you, you're not going to know the doctor. The doctor is going to be a hospitalist that you've never seen, not your primary care physician. And they're the ones who's going to be, your life is going to be in their hands. And now, it's just like any other professional. There are good ones and bad ones out there, some with a lot of experience, some with no experience, and you have no clue what you're going to get when you go to the hospital. So the bottom line is I think it's prudent that your agent can say not yet. In other words, they can veto until, you know, it just it might be just I want a second opinion. You know, I'm not ready to let mom or dad go uh, or my spouse go unless I'm confident that this is the right way to go. Well, unless you have the veto authority, it's the doctor making that decision, not you. Because the Declaration for Natural Death is not a directive to your agent or your family. It's a directive to the doctor in order to take the stress off of your family. So it's an important concept, taking stress off your family in those kind of situations. But if you give your agent the right to veto it, at least to delay it or whatever until there's confidence that there that's the right thing to do. I think that's really under healthcare the way it's provided today is is really important for folks to do it that way. And I know we have to take a break. So when we come back, um, I want to talk about the difference between that and a DNR. Very good. And there, there are some major and important differences there. And we'll dive right into that. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him at WGALaw.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we're talking about a very important level of asset protection, and that's having your legal documents in order. And part of that is uh, having a a living will. And uh, Bill, you've gone over what a living will is, and now we need to sort of talk about what a DNR is and what it isn't. Well, that's true. But first of all, in North Carolina, it's actually not called a living will. That's right. It is, you know, it's the same thing, uh, you know, but some states call it a living will. Some states call it a declaration for natural death. But North Carolina calls it a declaration for natural death. Hence, 
Okay, so we caught you. But the, <laughs> but the bottom line is that the Declaration for Natural Death is a very, very limited document that only applies in the most dire of circumstances. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a done deal when a Declaration for Natural Death is, is done. And it's important because if you don't have one, then typically the hospital is uh, obligated to keep you on life support un- unless or until your health care agent or someone authorized to make the decision that can proactively make the decision to uh, terminate life support. So that's, that's a key thing. Okay. Um, so a DNR. A DNR is not a legal document. It is a medical order where it's basically in your medical chart for uh, your health care provider, providers to not resuscitate you. It is DNR, do not resuscitate. Now, what does that mean? That's a very broad medical order, if you think about it. And it, now, DNR, unfortunately, is the most abused medical order or document, if you will, anywhere I've seen. It's, and it's terrible. It, it's the kind of thing because people are confused and they say, oh, yeah, I'll sign a DNR. And truthfully, most of the time they're thinking it's a living will. It's not that. And it's really important for folks to understand it. I was shocked when my mother went into a nursing home. And, of course, no one wants to go to a nursing home. And it's for people who are very sick. But my mother, even though she was sick, was still very lucid and could make any medical decision on her own for the first couple years she was in a nursing home. But it, but even so, the when I went in to help make sure she uh, got all of her arrangements, of course, I was the good son, yay. But <laughs> the bottom line is they threw this pack of paper at me in terms of you have to sign this, you have to sign that, so well – the bottom line is, and, and I will say that I'm going to digress just a minute. When you're signing a loved one in to any kind of facility, whether it's the hospital, a rehab center, assisted living facility, uh, or a nursing home, and you're the person's agent under you know, a general or healthcare power of attorney, and it's the healthcare power of attorney that actually has the ability to determine where you live if you can't make those decisions for yourself. Not the general power of attorney. The general power of attorney is the one who pays the bills. The healthcare power of attorney makes those kind of decisions. Where, where do you have to live? But the bottom line is you would should always, because they don't say this. They, the line just says responsible person for most, most of the time, and they really want you to guarantee it if, you know, that's what they're trying to do is to get somebody else on the hook financially so you always sign those documents with the person's name, you know, your, your loved one's name that you're acting as agent for, and then make it clear that when you sign your name underneath theirs that you're signing as their agent. So you, can, you can put POA, power of attorney. You can put AIF, attorney in fact, same thing. Actually, that's the technically correct term. And under the new North Carolina law, uh, North Carolina prefers the word agent. So, in essence, you're signing on their behalf. You're not signing for yourself. That's really important for you to sign that way because if you don't, 
then there's a possibility that you could be on the hook financially for their bills if they don't pay it themselves. If you're signing as their agent, it, you're basically saying they're going to pay you. Look to them for payment. <laughs> okay. That's really important. All right. Back to the, what I was getting at, and that's the do not resuscitate. It's a very broad order. And what I'm getting at is it was in the stack of papers. Now, truthfully, no one, agent or not, should sign a do not resuscitate order without the counsel of the primary care physician. Well, here this form was in front of me, and there, the primary care physician wasn't anywhere in sight, you see. And that's why I'm saying it's abused. And I guarantee you that every nursing home, it's part of their package for somebody to sign when your loved one is being admitted to the nursing home. And guess what? That's terrible if you sign it or if, you, if you're just not paying attention and you sign it anyway, which I think happens a lot. Now, why, do they, why does the nursing home want you to sign it? Well, I guarantee you it's not because it's in your best interest. It's because it reduces their culpability and liability if they don't do what they should do. Well, guess what? You know, you want them to do what they should do, so you should never sign it unless. And there's an, here's the thing. When is a DNR appropriate? A DNR is not necessarily appropriate just because you're in a nursing home and you don't particularly like living there. That's not the key. Are you praying every day for the Lord to take you because you've lived your life and you really and truly don't want to live anymore? In other words, you might be in pain um, uh, but the, or, or you're just you know, totally miserable uh, and you're ready for the Lord to take you. If that's the case— uh, because of whatever uh, circumstances you're under, then yes, a DNR is appropriate. But at the same time, if you still enjoy what parts of your life you can still enjoy, such as talking to your friends, writing letters, watching TV or the football games or whatever you enjoy, whatever it is, if you still enjoy life, then a DNR is not something that one should ever, 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 ever sign. And it really upsets me at how abused this particular medical order is. And unfortunately, sometimes even the physicians don't get it in terms of how important this particular order is. And there are a lot of folks out there who say, oh, you want to sign a DNR? It's okay with me. You know, how unfortunate is that? That's just not the way it should be. Um, now, so a DNR is a particular issue. Uh, medical order that that after consultation with your primary care physician, if you're miserable, if you're ready for the Lord to take you, then okay. But otherwise, I think it's uh, it's not a good idea. It's actually a horrible idea to sign that otherwise. Um, now, there are two other medical orders that folks get confused about. One's called a, a DNT, that's a do not transport, and that basically is a medical order to where I want to die where I'm at. I don't want you to take me to the hospital just so I can die in the hospital because I'm near death anyway, and I'd rather just die right here at home or right here in the facility 
where I'm at. I don't want my family to have the expense of you taking me to the hospital because it's it's futile anyway. So that's a DNT, and then there's a most order, which uh, is a little more specific, but it's a medical order on life-sustaining treatment. You know, some sort of like. Uh, uh, and this is where the confusion is, truthfully, with the living will or the declaration of natural death, because it's a little more specific, but it's a medical order, not a legal document, on when to take you off life support or what life-sustaining treatment that you need. But uh, but the bottom line is it's the DNR, the Do Not Resuscitate Order, that's the big bad wolf out there uh, that folks need to be very, very careful about. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's kind of scary. The the scenarios that you mentioned, where folks may be signing those and not knowing the the full impact of, right. of uh, executing that document. Mm. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to find more information about Bill, you can find him online at wgalaw.com or you can call the office to schedule an appointment at 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. And Bill, we just wrapped up our uh, our discussion here on the uh, differences between a declaration for nat- natural death and uh, DNR. See, I've, I've You're already educated. Yep. Yes, I've, absolutely. I'm, I'm good to go. Thanks to you. I, <laughs> program is so educational, Bill. But now we need to move on to taxes. It's already, we're already getting close to tax time, Bill. It's scary. Well, well it, it, this is important, and this is important for young people, medium people, and older people. <laughs> so it's, it's the... Uh, and I want to talk about income tax because income tax is important to all of us that have any kind of income because we have to report our income to the Internal Revenue Service and the Department of Revenue, North Carolina Department of Revenue. So it's like, okay, are there things that we can do to reduce our income tax? And the answer is maybe. Uh, and it's not about deductions this time. Okay, and I'm serious when I say it applies to, um, you know, most of the folks out there in terms of of what you may want to do this this year, because you have to understand that the tax rules have changed completely for this year, 2018 and beyond. The thing that I want folks to understand is and this is one thing I like is there's no longer a marriage penalty for income tax. There's always been a preference in our tax code for what was the traditional American family of the 1950s, what I call the Ozzie and Harriet family, where you had a breadwinner and a homemaker. Uh, Now, that's not the norm today because young people particularly – can't live on one income most of the time. Both spouses need to work. And so the bottom line is when you have two spouses working, 
the, the tax code always had a penalty in it. In other words, a couple like that that filed jointly would pay more income tax. So what's the secret now? If you're married and you have two incomes, so think seniors who are retired, right? Because most seniors don't have a big income tax liability. Uh, Some do, but most don't. And the bottom line is, but in almost every case, you have two income streams. So the bottom line is that seniors, and seniors are getting screwed, quite, quite frankly, with the new income tax because the bottom rate went up instead of down. Well, a lot of seniors were in that bottom rate, so they are in a higher tax bracket than they were before. So is there something they can do to reduce? Yes. They can file separately now because you don't have the penalty any longer for filing separately. Well, why does that make a difference? When you put two incomes together, sometimes what that does is it pushes you into a higher tax bracket so you pay more tax. But guess what? If you separate, for instance, let's say together you have $30,000 of combined income. But separately, you only have $15,000. Well, guess what? A, a single rate for fifteen is typically going to be less than a, a rate for $30,000, whether it's joint or not, if, if you follow where I'm coming from. So the bottom line is, is that everybody who's married this year, where there's two income, it's not the Oz Harriet breadwinner, homemaker type of scenario, should... Uh, look at doing a tax return combined together jointly and do it again separately to see what the difference is. And a lot of families might end up saving hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars by filing separately this, this year. So that's the secret. And it applies even to seniors who have much, you know, they have a fixed income, but if they're still paying tax, they may be able to avoid tax by filing separately. And of course, it all it it will very much apply to young folks out there or anyone where you have two income families. Yeah, that's a great tip because for so many years, folks have just kind of you know not had a reason to look at that. Well, the marriage penalty was there, so mm-hmm. the bottom line is is that um, uh, it costs more to file separately tax wise, and now it doesn't. So you got to look at that. Now, once you've done it once. You should know from going forward whether to file separately. Or, but this year, you got to have do it twice to figure out whether or not you're going to save money one way or the other. And there's no way to sit here and say, "Oh, it's going to be clearly this way or that way for, for everyone," because you know rules don't. We don't all fix fall into the same box. Yeah, it may take a little bit of extra time, but uh, it could be worth it on your end to reduce what you have to pay or maybe increase what you get back. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF.
News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Jason Kong here with Bill. We're just about out of time, but I want to remind you that you can catch Bill tomorrow morning on the CW22 at 8 a.m. with his TV show Money Secrets. Bill, you've also got a book out by the same name, Money Secrets with Bill and Mike, and you can find that on Amazon. And as always, you can go to WGALaw.com. That's a great place where you can go and register for Bill's free seminar next month. We've got one coming up on the 12th of September. This is a great chance for you to uh, get some free information from Bill, and you can also call the office to schedule an appointment at 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. Bill, did I, did I miss anything? No, I appreciate it, Jason. As you know, what my focus is is asset protection and wealth preservation. That's what I do, and and certainly we would appreciate folks coming to see us. Absolutely. You do a fine job. And if you want to find more information, again, you can go to WGALaw.com or you can join us every Saturday morning at 11 and get Bill's nuggets straight from his uh, his interesting and learned mind. We've got them right here for you. Well, have a great Labor Day weekend. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week on Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF.